First off, let's let's get one thing straight. It has zero to do with relationships, okay? None, none of this is about relationships. This is business, all right? This is how I make my living, and it's how every guy in this building makes his living. So uh, we, can, we can put that one to rest. What's up, and welcome back to the Locked On Bucks podcast. I'm James Yarko, joined as usual by David Harrison. You can find everything that we're doing over at BucksNation.com, and make sure you follow along on Twitter, at LockedOnBucks, at JayArko underscore Bucks, and at DH82 underscore Bucks. Of course, the voice you just heard was that of head coach Dirk Cutter, and David and I are going to approach this the same way we did with the Jameis Winston suspension. We're going to get our, our thoughts on it out in this episode, and then after that, unless something major happens um this isn't a topic we're going to harp on for the rest of of the season we're not going to be doing this debate and and you know anything like that for the next 13 weeks of the season we're we're going to say our piece now and we're going to move on unless the team does something to warrant further discussion here's 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 my thing and i'm i'm not feeling real great um so you know i'm already i'm already grumpy i'm already in a bad mood uh, so here, here it goes. Look, I understand the canned response that Dirk Cutter had. I get it. No, you can't snap your fingers and all of a sudden everything be okay. I get the thought process of, okay, if we fire the defensive coordinator, then, then what's the next move? You know, what is, what does it really accomplish? Here's my take. What it accomplishes is it shows your players that this is no longer acceptable. What it accomplishes is it shows the front office that this is no longer acceptable. What it accomplishes is it shows ownership that this is no longer acceptable. I understand he's your bestie, and you guys can have all the Friday night dinners with your wives in in, in alternating homes that you would like. But when it comes to Mike Smith's defense – with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, there is no longer a defense. There is no longer an excuse. You have 75% of the season remaining. And the history shows that if Mike Smith continues to be the defensive coordinator of this team, everyone is losing their jobs. If Dirk Cutter is willing to die on that hill and fall on that sword, that's on him. But it's not about him. It's about Buckner. It's about Duffner. It's about Munkin. It's about McCoy, David, Quan, JPP, Winston, Evans, Djax, all of these players, 53 players relying on this head coach to lead them to a winning record and a postseason appearance. And he's going to shrug it off and say, firing Mike Smith isn't going to do anything because what's the plan after that? I'll tell you what the plan is after that. It shows that this team is good enough to get to the postseason, and the head coach believes that, and he's not going to allow somebody to alter that course. It doesn't matter if Duffner is not the quote-unquote right guy. It doesn't matter if Buckner is quote-unquote the right guy or has the experience. It's called interim for a reason. But what you're doing now is not working. Trying something new at least shows this team that you're willing to take that step, that you are willing to try anything to not blow this season. 
That's what it accomplishes. Mike Smith's defense has given up 400 or more yards in 19 of his 36 games, and the Bucs are 4-15 and 15 when it happens. They have given up 30 or more points in 13 games that he has been the defensive coordinator, and they are 1-12 when it happens. Mike Smith is not working. Dirk Cutter is now the kid who keeps banging his head against the wall because it feels good when he stops. Change it. At least you tried something. David, how do you feel about it? It's a lot of a lot of heat coming through the through the mic tonight. Not um, in my head, but by God, I'm I'm sick of it. Yeah. Well, uh, before I give my thoughts, we, we did have a couple of voicemails that I wanted to play uh, here as we as we discuss this. If that's all right. Yeah, go for it. <clears throat> all right. So uh, I'm going to play these two back to back, and we've got. Chef Aaron, who most people know and love, and uh, Jonathan from West Palm Beach. Hey, James and David. Uh, it's your buddy, Chef. Yeah, just a few thoughts. I thought I'd get off my chest. Uh, obviously, we know the defense is disgustingly bad. There's no if ands, or buts about it. Mike Smith has got to go. I mean, I when you see receivers, uh, when you see the Chicago receivers who aren't that good on islands by themselves, no defender within 15 uh, feet of them, that, that's a consistent problem that's been going on for two two seasons and four games now. And it, it's becomes to the point where Mike Smith can't correct it or he's just wanting to keep doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. And we all know how that goes. And on the offensive side, uh, it seems like Dirk Cutter was calling plays. I mean, I don't know if Monken was actually. I have no proof of that. It, it had the feel of a Dirk Cutter run offense, especially when you're down by 40 points. And for the first play of for the second half, you run the football. I mean... Are you basically, that's basically telling me you're conceding the victory. Obviously, it was already lopsided, but that's just telling me you're conceding victory. And if that's what Dirk is going to do, then I'm sorry. He's lost me as, he's lost my support, and I don't want him as as a coach of this team because that's a fireable offense, in my opinion, and just shows that he has no faith in this team. He has no faith in these players, and he's got no faith in himself to run this team. All right, so uh fully finished my morning process after that terrible loss and, um, you know, trying not to overreact. Um, but I really do think it is time to move on from Mike Smith. I know that we're probably not going to do that midseason. But, I mean, really just judging from the defense, it's really been the same problems over and over and over again for the past four years. It's almost like Lovey Smith, honestly, never left. Um, and I think at this point, really Dirk's loyalty is going to be tested because I can't see him you know firing Levy um you know firing Mike Smith to make a statement but I think at this point he really just has no other choice because this has gone on far too long and I mean um I just don't see it changing anytime soon and on a much much more overreactive note um I'm even thinking as far as next season blowing this the whole thing up bringing in a new coach who has a more forward-thinking offensive philosophy and maybe even picking up a guy like Will Greer and seeing if we could replicate that kind of new quick strike off- strike offense that Mahomes is running, that Nagney is running in Chicago, 
and the other teams are finding a lot of success with, just like um, they're doing in L.A. as well. So a bit of overreaction there. I know, I know, but just just feeling not too great after that win. Can't really see us making a big push unless some things get fixed. All right, guys, well, big fan of the podcast. Thanks a lot for uh, giving us the outlet to express our deep, deep depression. All right, go Bucks. Okay. All right, so uh, those are from Chef and the, and uh, Jonathan. So uh, like everybody else, you know, thanks to those guys for sending in their voicemails, of course. And obviously, James, they agree with you. They agree with many, 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 many Buccaneers fans. And I agree on the surface. So I agree with with this fact that whatever Mike Smith is doing – Obviously isn't working. It's been not working uh, to the point of exhaustion. I think that's where Buccaneers fans are. Like I know Dirk Cutter is frustrated because he and his staff are in that building working their butts off. I don't believe they're lazy. I, I, I believe that they're working their tails off, but it just seems like they're working to get to the same solution every, every week. And I don't understand it. And, you know, uh, the second voicemail there kind of referenced – uh, Nagy in Chicago referenced Mahomes in Kansas City, referenced the Rams. And, and the thing that that sticks out to me is those are three teams who every single week they could be different. Like you look at the Chiefs specifically, they're a fantasy nightmare because, I mean, right now is I guess when we started recording, Travis Kelsey has zero catches and the Chiefs are still in the game. Um, I remember week one, Tyreek Hill blew up. Sammy Watkins did nothing. The very next week, Sammy Watkins blew up and and Hill. I don't know if he did nothing, but he didn't do as much as he did the week prior. You look at teams like the Patriots. The Patriots are the same thing. And I know we're mixing fantasy talk with real talk, but fantasy stats can somewhat reflect real-life football in that these are teams that we're talking about that don't do the same thing every single week, which is why you can't rely on them for fantasy output outside of certain players. Like if you look at the Rams – are you going to draft Jared Goff to be your quarterback for the entire season? I'm not because he's not going to be a productive quarterback every single week. He's going to be a productive quarterback when the Rams need him to be. When they don't need him to be, they're going to lead on Gurley and they're going to lean on their defense because they have the ability to adjust to what their team is showing them. Uh, the, the opposition is showing them. Trevor Sikama tweeted out earlier today about how the Bears – knew or what the, that the bears had run so many different schemes to beat a cover three zone that it was, it was crazy and just kind of showed how much the bears studied the Buccaneers because it all worked. Um, I turned in my key plays today, which I know is, is, I don't know. I don't honestly expect a whole lot of people to read it because I mean, there's nothing good to write about, right? It's all negative. Um, one of the key plays I wrote about though, was that touchdown to Allen Robinson in, in the end zone. And, you know, I'll be honest, watching the game, when that throw, when when Mitch Trubisky made that throw to Allen Robinson, that's when I said, oh, crap, we're in trouble because Mitch Trubisky can't hit the outside quarters of the field to save his life. So if he's dropping dimes like that on the outside quarter of the field, that means he's really feeling what the Bears are doing. And you get a guy in the zone like that, and, and it's just, it's going to be a nightmare. But what I didn't see in that moment and I, I haven't seen anybody else on Twitter talking about it, so I don't know if anybody else has seen it until they go into the All-22, like I did earlier today, is that if you go back and if you look at the, the Key Plays article that or the column that should be going up tomorrow on BucksNation.com, you'll see the, the gift that I made of it. Jordan Howard is on the 10-yard line wide open. 
And if if Mitch Trubisky chooses to check down to Jordan Howard instead of taking his shot to Allen Robinson and he gets it over there to Howard, Howard's going to walk in the end zone. So even if Trubisky doesn't drop that dime over MJ Stewart into Allen Robinson's hands, the Bears still have a touchdown on that play regardless. So you look at it, there's two ways the Bears were going to score a touchdown on that play. That's a chess move. That's a strategy beating a strategy. And what is really sad is that they did it studying what the Buccaneers have been doing, and that's all they did. That's all they did to beat this team was, oh, this is what Mike Smith likes to do. Let's beat it. Julio Jones last year uh, said said similar thing, like over and over and over and over again. Mitch Trubisky talking about how he knew what the defense was going to do and consistently exploited it. Mitch Trubisky. Ladies and gentlemen, the guy that got his team laughed at because they traded up one spot with John Lynch to grab him. That guy, Mitch Trubisky. Like, I can't say it enough. Like, it's it's almost like uh, like Coach McKay, right? Like, what, you know, what did you think about your offensive execution? I'm in favor. Well, that's where we're at now as, as a group with, with the defense and with Mike Smith. And, and what Coach Cutter said – about, you know, he Mike Smith's not the one missing tackles. Mike Smith's not the one blowing coverages. Mike Smith's not the one not pass rushing. Yeah, Roger, I got it. That's that's what being a leader is all about. Like, if you go to Walmart and the stock and the shelves aren't stocked properly, the manager's not the one who's stocking the shelves improperly. But guess what? You're the guy who's responsible for it. And if there's not systems in place to improve upon it, you're the one who's ultimately going to get held accountable. If you are a manager of a McDonald's and you have a staff that consistently burns the French fries and puts mustard on the cheeseburgers when your customers say no mustard on the cheeseburgers and you don't do something to fix those mistakes, you are going to be the one to get fired. Your regional manager is not going to come in the store and say, oh, don't worry, Billy, you're telling them not to do it. They're just doing it. So we'll just fire all of them and keep you because you told them not to do it. Well, if it was that simple, why doesn't every NFL head coach walk in their locker room and say, hey, guys, here's what I need you to do. Go win the Super Bowl. Because that's all that coach needs to do. That's what I That's what I picked out of what Coach Cutter said when he said, you know, firing Mike Smith isn't going to help anything. He's not the one missing tackles. He's not the one, like, that. that's what I heard was Mike Smith's telling them to tackle, guys. Mike Smith's telling them to communicate. Mike Smith's telling them to read the play correctly. They're just not doing it. Well, coach, go tell your team to win the Super Bowl. And if they don't do it, cut them because you told them to do it. That's not coaching. Okay, and that and that's, that's not what this team needs. The team doesn't need a coach who's going to stand up there and say, well, it's all on the players. Some of it is on the players, and that's and that's what I've put out in my key in my key plays. Some of these plays are being misread by players. Some of them are being misdiagnosed by players. Got it. Of course they are, right? But at the end of the day, as the coach, you're responsible for what your players are doing. So if you're going to stand up there and say it's not Mike Smith's fault because the players aren't the ones doing the things he's telling them to do. How about you tell them to do something different? All right. We talked about this yesterday. I, I was ranting in my house about it during the game like that. His defensive system requires so much on communication between all the players in coverage and it required and it, it relies so much on all of them seeing the same things that when you're going into your fourth game with your fourth different secondary you can't like there's there's zero continuity. You're not going to have you're not going to have the ability to keep that kind of a system. And the Chicago Bears did it. 
Mitch Trubisky was struggling coming into this week. So what did Coach Nagy do? He simplified his system. He broke it down. He took some of those reads out. He took some of those calls out. He said, you know what? We're going to strip this thing down a little bit and make it a little bit easier for my quarterback to digest because he's young, he's inexperienced, and he's playing with a totally new system like or uh, a new set of receivers. Like his running backs are the same, but outside of his running backs, his tight ends are new, his receivers are new. This is a totally new team four games in for Mitch Trubisky and he's a young quarterback and he's still trying to get him trying to get used to the NFL game. That's coaching. That's adjusting to what your players are showing you. What his player, what coach Nagy's players showed him through three games and two wins was a team that's not going to quit, but a team that is not all the way there yet. So let me dial it down a little bit and let's bring it back up. That's not what coach Smith is doing. Coach Smith is out there saying, I taught you guys what to do. I told you how to communicate. I told you what to look for. You just didn't do it. Well, how about we do things a little bit simpler? What's the simplest coverage to run in football? Man, now am I saying you go man 24-7? No, of course not because that's, that's just as crazy. But you can't consistently rely on everybody on the field needs to communicate all at the same time, all seeing the same things. Oh, by the way, shake hands on the way out of the locker room because you just met each other. Now I'm I'm never going to call for someone's job, right? I, like I I just don't I just won't do it. But Mike Smith, as we know, and I I said this when I called in the Peter Cash yesterday. Mike Smith, as we know it, has got to go. So if he won't change mentally, then maybe that's what Coach Cutter needs to do. I don't know if he's going to do it or not. He says this has nothing to do with relationships and and personalities, and and I like to believe him. I don't think the man's a liar. Um, but. I mean, how how much longer can can he go? Can the can the franchise go? The fan base is already done, um, which the fan base doesn't make decisions. Got it, and and that's actually that's really a good thing, uh, even though most of us you know would prefer it the other way. But how much longer? Now that the fan base is done, the media, uh, at least by and large, is it seems to be done. How long is it going to take? for Jason Light to, to be done? How long is it going to take for these players to start getting done? How long is it going to take for Dirk Cutter to get to the point where he says, enough is enough? You have the worst defense in the National Football League. So you can't get worse. And so if, if Duffner comes in, uh, or if Buckner comes in, or who, whoever, uh, bring Rex Ryan in off the, off the ESPN studio, I don't know. Whoever comes in to coach the defense, if you make this move, they're not going to do worse. Right? I mean, Mitch Trubisky threw for six touchdowns against you. They're not going to do worse. Uh, yeah, I don't know, man. That's where I'm at. You know, it, it would be nice if we could at least – ease the the pain and frustration and make a little money off of this because if there was anywhere that would have odds on if Mike Smith is going to be fired or not it's going to be our buddies over at my bookie remember who you're betting on is just as important as who you're betting with that's why we always tell people to bet with my bookie trust me they are your best bet this season they've been in business for years have great reviews online and their mobile site is easy to use David and I would only recommend a service to our listeners that have been good to us, and that's why we urge everyone to make their way to MyBookie. You win, they pay. They have in-game live betting, over-unders on fantasy points scored, and the most rewarding player perks in the business. Right now, MyBookie is slammed with new bettors, and they want to give everyone the best possible customer service. So if you're willing to wait and make your initial deposit after 7 p.m. Eastern time, they're going to give you an additional $25 free play on deposits over $100. On top of that, they're also going to match your initial deposit dollar for dollar. 
Use promo code Locked On Twenty Five to activate this offer. Visit MyBookie online today. That's M Y B O O K I E, and use promo code Locked On Twenty Five L O C K E D O N Number Two Number Five when creating your account to claim your $25 free play on deposits over $100 and to get your dollar-for-dollar bonus. You play, you win, you get paid. David, I um, I just don't know what what to think, what to do anymore. Um, you know, we've, we've said what we need to say. Um, I was far more um, – how can I phrase it? Uh, I I'm, I was far more emotional based than you were. You you seem far more level headed about this. And, and again, maybe it's because I don't feel good and I'm cranky. Um, <laughs> but I mean the the statistics are there. This defense has not improved under Mike Smith. This defense has only gotten worse. And when we didn't think it could get any worse from last year, and Jason Light busts his butt to revamp the line, revamp the secondary. And it gets even worse. Like, I mean, what other, what other signs do there need to be? Like, yeah, there's. Uh, go ahead. I just, I mean, like I haven't done the, I haven't done, you know, physically gone through the roster since since Mike Smith was brought in, but just looking at who's on the field, there's been so much turnover on the defense, like. I don't believe Jason Light is out there just drafting guys to draft guys. I think the guys he's drafting, the guys he's signing, the guys he's going after in trade are guys that these coaches want. You know, so these are these are your players. Like the, these are like there, there's nobody to put this on. Like at, at the end of the day, this is your product. This is the, these are the people you're putting on the field. I love that the players are taking ownership for at least you know some of the ones that have spoken up, and, and that's great. And of course, that's what you want out of your players, but. I don't know, man. Like, I just, I felt like, and, and maybe I'm reading too much into it. You know, I, I have a lot of passion for this team. I have a lot of passion for what we're doing. And I know some people knock that, and, and that's fine. Um, when, when I write and what I'm saying, I feel is coming from an unbiased place. But, of course, at the end of the day, like, what writer goes to work and says, oh, man, I'm so happy they lost. I can't wait to write all this negative crap. Nobody does that. You know, if you're, if you're covering a team in any way, shape, or form, whether you're in the, in, the, in the building or whether you're working for a paper or a website or a blog or a podcast or you're just talking with your buddy at work, the teams you're talking about, you want to you want to have good things to say about them, right? You want to be able to stand up for your team and, and be able to say, you know, all the good things they're doing. So nobody takes joy, I would hope, in in saying negative negative stuff about a team they're they're getting paid or just you just spend their time uh, to talk about. So when when you see things like this, that that's where all this frustration comes from. It's it's not from from a place of hatred. It's not from a place of of uh, even anger. I don't think. I think it's just it's it's frustration because the the ability is there. The players are there. Like I, I don't think that Jason Light goes after JPP with a third round draft pick to the New York Giants unless Mike Smith, I mean at least through silence, agrees to bring that player in. You know, I, I just don't believe it. So. For for a coach to sit up there and uh, I don't know, man. Like you're, you're you have a cooking background, right? Like I mean, if I if 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 I told you like all the ingredients I wanted to make a stew from my favorite restaurant, you brought them to me and I cooked the stew and it was nasty, and I told you, ah, oh, it's the carrots' fault. Like get out of here with that crap. <laughs> that I don't know. It doesn't make any sense. But, I mean, just no, the turnover on this deal. That's kind of... <laughs> I just I don't know, man. Like. 
and I know those words didn't come out of Mike Smith's mouth. And, and in times like this, words like that, you know what I mean? Like we, we have a tendency to take them and kind of run with them and, and, and all that. And I don't know, but it's just uh, like, I don't want to hear the players say it's on the players. We got to execute better. And then the coaches come out and say, yeah, I agree with them. <laughs> I don't know. I was, that's not what I want to hear out of, out of the coaches. Going back to the voicemails, um, something that, that Chef touched on <clears throat> in regards to if they just gave up in the second half. Cutter kind of mentioned that they didn't, you know, they, they had to score on every possession to, to crawl back into the Steelers game and didn't really feel like they had the time to get back in, in the Bears game, which by and large may be true. I didn't, I guess I didn't view it as a sign of, of giving up. I saw it as, and I, I said this on Twitter, and I think I, I kind of said it somewhat on yesterday's show. I saw it as an opportunity. You know, the game the game was over. Whether you want to admit it or not, whether you want your your coach or your players to admit it or not, that game was over. So use that as an opportunity to do stuff like get Winston in the game and get him live game reps and get him prepared to start in week six as he has been announced as the starter, as we all kind of figured he would. Use that opportunity to give Ronald Jones more carries, get him more acclimated to the NFL game because it's not preseason anymore. It's not practice. It's it's regular season. It's full game speed. He needs to get acclimated to that. The run game has struggled. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. The run game has struggled. Now, have they had to rely on it? very much in the first four weeks. Well, they probably could have used it, but especially in those first two games, they didn't really need it. You know, they were airing the ball out. They were having success with explosive plays and and they were scoring from a distance and they didn't really need the run game. Now they're in a situation where, you know, they need the run game and they need their second pick in the draft to be a productive member of the offense. So give them the work, give them the time, you know, give them the carries allow him to continue to build that confidence. And we saw that. So I, I'm not a huge fan of Cutter's phrasing, but at the same time, I understand the sentiment and, and I kind of take that, that second half approach a little differently than, than a lot of people do. I don't view it as, you know, they, they just wanted to fold up. I, I looked at it as, you know, they're going to use this you know, like they would in a preseason game, and they're putting themselves in situations to evaluate players and to see how things are going and and to get guys a little bit of extra work. So, uh, David, I don't know if you viewed it the same way, but that was kind of my takeaway from how they approached the second half of the game. No, I, I had pretty much the same thought. Like, I, I see where Chef's coming from, you know, and, and I dig the passion. Uh, you know, I dig the uh, the mentality of, you know, the game's not over till, till the clock's at zero and all that stuff. But, uh, oh, that game was over. Um I, I was having some Twitter conversations with some folks, James, uh, you know who they are, and they were talking about the game was over, you know, and, and all that, and I was trying to be the pest, or the pest, I was trying to be the optimistic guy, which is really not my nature, to be honest with you. And I was like, oh, the game's not over, guys, it's still a full half left to go, and, and, uh, and yeah, I mean, I, as I'm, as I'm tweeting it, I'm thinking to myself, this game is over. Um, so I don't have a problem with it. This, this is a young team still. There's not a whole lot of aged veterans right outside of like Brent Grimes. Uh, Gerald McCoy is getting up there. So giving them a little bit of experience, again, the team is two and two, right? Ugly, 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 historically ugly losses still only count for one. 
Um, this isn't college football. There's no voting to get in the playoffs. Um, so it doesn't matter how ugly you lose by or how pretty you win by. At the end of the day, it counts for one just like everything else. Like if, if the Bears are who I think they are, to be quite honest with you, they're not going to make the playoffs. And they're going to be sitting at home watching the teams in the playoffs just like everybody else who didn't make it to the postseason. And them say, they're not going to be able to stand up and, and raise banners and say, no, but we whooped the Buccaneers. So we're we're a playoff team because we chose to announce ourselves as a playoff team. It doesn't work that way. And the Buccaneers, they can get this figured out because we all, from what I'm seeing, like I've yet to see anybody say the Bucs just don't have the horses. Like the horses are there. We just got to figure out how to get them to where they need to go. Um, if they can get that done, this this team very much looks like a playoff team. And that's what we're going to find out for the rest of the season. That's why I'm kind of glad we're doing this episode. You know, I know some guys had their scream and yell and, and cuss episode yesterday, which makes sense, but we chose to save ours for today, and we're getting it out. And like you said, tomorrow, that's business as usual. You know what I mean? We're going to talk about what we see, what we've seen, what we hope to see, and this is going to be it. So, uh, you know, as far as I'm concerned, unless unless Mike Smith, unless Dirk Cutter, unless something new happens, this is my feelings about about the coaching staff as it stands right now. If something changes, then maybe we'll readdress it and we'll we'll change our stance. But uh, as of right now, regardless of, of anything the coaching staff does, this is this is how we feel. But um, as far as as far as back on topic, right? As far as playing other other players, that's the first first sign of a little bit of creativity I've seen this year. Uh, or in the last two years, really, out of the coaching staff. So I welcome it because that's a little bit of outside-the-box thinking where, you know, some some will view it as laying down and dying. I got it. Like I said, I'm pretty sure that was pretty well, you know, this 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 uh, this effort was pretty much bled out or pretty well bled out before, you know, the half uh, uh, started, the second half started. So I don't view it as, as, as giving up. I view it as taking advantage of a rare opportunity you know, again, this isn't college football where you've got 70 to nothing games and you can do this on a weekly basis. This is the NFL where outside the preseason, you really don't get this opportunity. So I don't have a problem with it. I can see why Chef would have a problem with it. So I'm not saying Chef is wrong. I just don't. I'm not on the same vibe. All right. Well, <clears throat> David, before we get out of here, I do have to say, well, I guess I should ask you, how do you after after a loss like this, like how do you kind of get it out of your mind, get it, <clears throat> get it out of your system. Like what's kind of your go-to move to just remove yourself from, from the entire experience. I actually don't remove myself from the entire experience. I'm looking forward to what's, what's to come. Um, we've seen two pretty poor games out of this team and we've seen two pretty good games out of this team. I want to know what's going to happen. You know, we're going to find out, I think before the season, it was Brent who said he's in a reserve judgment on what the team is until week six. Uh, I mean, that seems like a pretty smart strategy right now. <laughs> um, so I, I'm looking forward to seeing how this team responds. I mean, if if Mike Smith is, is staying, then fine, fantastic. I hope he is the best defensive coordinator from week six moving on, right? Um, if he if he leaves, then so be it. That's, that's not my decision to make. Uh, so I'm not going to get too wrapped around the axle about it outside of this episode. It's just that's not that's not my job. Uh, I'm here to give my my opinions day to day, week to week. I'm doing that, and once my opinion is is put out into the atmosphere, I will move on to the next opinion that I'm asked to produce. Uh, that's just I don't know, kind of rolling with it. You know what I mean? All right. Well, I I know a lot of people like to use something to distract themselves. You know, like 
in in my case, I got <clears throat> I got home from work. I sat down to eat my lunch, and I'm like, "Well, I don't want to watch." I've been watching rewatching Breaking Bad. I just finished season two of Ozark. You know, both are phenomenal shows. But I'm like, that's that's heavy. That's serious. I don't want to deal with that right now. I want I want something uplifting. I want something funny. That's that's the way I want to lean. So I started watching New Girl, which yo know, I've seen you and and a couple of people talk about, and so far. I think it's hilarious. Oh, yeah. One of, one of the other things I like to distract myself with is retail therapy. And <laughs> our our friends over at Swap uh, are definitely going to help us out with that because it's it's really insane how much we we pay for brand new brand name clothes and and the amount of money that we spend on our our kids clothes with as fast as they grow and <clears throat> with swap.com they are the world's largest online consignment and thrift store. So you don't have to drive around from store to store and look through all the racks and try to find the clearance deals and and hope that they have your size and all that. They have o- over 14 million tons of textiles, or I'm sorry, they they're they say that over 14 million tons of textiles are wasted each year. And shopping secondhand at Swap.com helps to prevent textile waste from polluting the environment, which is something you can feel good about. Yeah, as I said, they are the world's largest consignment and thrift store and with swap.com you can save up to 90 percent off retail price on your favorite brands like lulamon carters nike j crew gap the list goes on and on their quality hand-specked items are added daily and if something doesn't fit you have a hassle-free return policy within 30 days so you have a full month and they're not going to give you any grief about it just swap it. So make sure you uh, you head over to swap.com and take advantage of a special offer for our listeners. You get 35% off select items on your first order with promo code locked on. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. And you will find brand new deals every single day. So a big thank you to swap.com. That's definitely going to help in uh, shopping for, for clothes for the kids because the, the seasons are changing. I realize Florida doesn't have seasons. They have like three days where it's cold. Well, you know, here in Ohio, um, last week was in the, you know, upper 50s to mid 60s. This week it's in the 80s and we don't know what to do. That's probably what's contributing to my headache. Stupid seasons. So, yeah, I have to start shopping for the kids for for winter clothes. So swap.com is really going to help me out with that. Uh, David, anything else before we get out of here and call it a night? Well, we, I, I think we, we should probably get Gene's take on it as Gene Thomas, buck what you heard, will be joining us on tomorrow's episode. I'm sure he's going to have plenty to say about it, but we can get his reaction. David, you and I, we've put ours out there into the world. Um, but if you guys have any questions or comments or topics that you would like to have us address with our good friend, Gene, please send in those voicemails at 813-444-5841. And of course, you get entered in to win that glorious autographed Quan Alexander jersey. Make sure you're checking out everything going on over at BucksNation.com. There is a phenomenal article on BucksNation.com written by uh, by John where he dives in to this, this Mike Smith fiasco. And it's, it's 
it's a relatively long read for for the typical articles of Bucks Nation, but it is so well researched and so well thought out. I highly recommend going over and checking it out, um, especially if you're you know with with Chef and and a lot of the Bucks fans that are just just done with Mike Smith. You can kind of see the pattern that has developed and John lays it out in a beautiful way. So kudos to him. It was really, really well done. Uh, make sure you're following along on Twitter at locked on bucks at J underscore bucks and at D H 82 underscore bucks. Uh, again, looking forward to having Gene on tomorrow's show. It, it was a, a delay from last week when I had to do my solo episode because David got held up at work and Gene lost power. And it was, it was the Mike Smith defenses of episodes. I'll just say that. Oh, geez. <laughs> we would like to thank each and every one of you for joining us right here at Locked On Bucks. What's going on, David and James? This is Sean from the National Area calling in early Monday morning. That Bears curb stomping is still fresh in my mind, so I thought I'd just get a little bit off my chest. I'm probably just going to be that typical guy that just complains about Mike Smith the whole time in the defense. I, I mean, the offense was terrible in this game, too, but, you know, they're going against the best defense in football. <sighs> Jameis didn't look great, but just first game back, you know, what do you expect? Uh, man, I'm just hoping that I'm just hoping Dirk Cutter can not be his typical stubborn self and be overly loyal and see what needs to be done. I really think Mike Smith needs to go. And honestly, by the time you guys play this voicemail, if you even do, we'll know if Mike Smith's been fired or not. You know, if it's going to happen, it's going to happen right away. I think, but he's too predictable. He's too conservative. Uh, Trubisky said it before and after the game that they felt confident they knew what the Bucks defense and especially the secondary were going to do. And when you've got a below-average quarterback like Trubisky going off for six freaking touchdowns, a guy who's never thrown for more than two touchdowns in a game in his career, lighting you up like that, five touchdowns in the first half? I mean, this defense is too stacked. There's too much talent, especially in the front seven, for you to be giving up that many points and that many yards to a bad offense and a bad quarterback. Just time for a change, and I don't care if it's Duffner or Buckner. Something needs to happen. Anyways, sorry to be that guy complaining about the defense, but thankfully we've got an early bye week, which usually I don't like. I think we needed to try to figure some things out on defense and maybe get some guys a little bit healthy in the secondary. And Even Gerald, I hear, is a little bit beat up and get Jameis a little bit more time to knock some rust off. Anyways, thank you guys. Have a good couple weeks, and uh, Ohio State is the worst. Bye-bye. Running.